Hello, long time no talk. It's me, Sam Pout, for the Stage Place podcast. And in this week's episode, I'm talking to Tom Sparrow, writer of The Ending, which is at the Cockpit Theatre between the 23rd and 26th of January 2024. In this episode, we're talking about the process of adapting the myth, Orpheus and Eurydice, and what it's like to create a lovely environment for fellow theatre makers to feel seen and to have a safe space to share with each other. It's a really great episode, very interesting, so I hope you enjoy. Hello, Tom Sparrow. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Very well. How are you getting on? Um, yes, I'm good. I'm very cold. I'm wearing three layers, including a big leather coat. But yeah, that's 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 what I'm doing. I'm also straddling a heater as well. Our heating, I feel like, just kicked in, so I'm going to be a little bit cold to start and hopefully it'll warm up. <laughs> yes, but it keeps you on your toes, I feel. Good, despite the toes being absolutely freezing and frostbitten. So, welcome to the stage place. You are here talking about your upcoming show called The Ending, aren't you? Are you? I am indeed, talking about The Ending. Yeah. Feels very <laughs> ominous to say it like that. <laughs> Good, let's not spoil the ending of The Ending. But let's talk about the ending. Of course, of course. So, what is it? What's the ending? Talk to me. Yes. So, the ending, it goes back all the way to 2019. Not the play itself, but the story of making it. Myself and Megan Basnett, who I now run Periphery Theatre with, were at uni. And this is just before everything went to hell. Not my dissertation went to hell, but the world went to hell. I'm sure we all remember. I was doing my dissertation and I took the module to write a play and put it on. And that play was the ending. We originally did it as a audio play, which utilized binaural audio. And we had the two characters split in the way we recorded them. So one person was with 3D audio and the other was with mono audio, but done in the same way to sort of try and create a separation. And then we... This year went, we want to put another show on. What can we do? And Meg went, well, why don't we just do that again? But put it on a stage this time and do it how it originally, originally was meant to be done. Um, So the play itself is a, it's not a retelling of the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice as such. It's sort of a follow on. So it picks up where the myth finished or finishes or however you want to say it. For those of you who don't know the myth, the general gist of the story is they are lovers and they are sort of perfect lovers and everything going on. And then Eurydice unfortunately passes away and Orpheus goes all the way down to the underworld to save her. And his bargain with Hades is that he must walk out from the underworld with Eurydice behind him, but he's not allowed to turn around to look at her. And if he does, he'll lose her forever. And of course, as every good story has a twist, he does look around and she then is taken from him forever. And this story picks up when they are both sort of reunited in the afterlife together again, but they're still separated by being in different parts of it. So he is in the ending and she is in the end and they can still communicate, but there's a element of trust that he has to learn to sort of believe that she is going to be there for him at the end when he finally passes on. So that's sort of the gist of the story without giving too much away. Interesting. So it's kind of like a sequel to a myth. You're creating a new myth, part two. It's exciting. That's brilliant. What was it? So you started with Orpheus and Eurydice. So that was kind of like the inspiration. Why Orpheus and Eurydice? What What was interesting about that for you? I guess it was, as I was going through uni, I sort of accidentally cultivated a bit of a reputation of liking Greek myths and Greek plays. I think I was the only person that would sort of read Antigone and be like, oh, this is awesome. I love this. 
So I sort of felt I had to nurture that even accidental reputation and sort of keep looking into Greek myths and stuff. And they've always been interested. And this one was one that stuck out because it just felt really, to me reading it originally or listening to the story originally, it's like, oh, why did you turn around, man? Why do you why did you make that absolutely colossal mistake after you put all this work in? And it's sort of pieced together from that, really, and the, looking into why a character would do something like that, why they would make such a mistake, and then how someone would deal with that in the aftermath of it and trying to figure out, you know, their decision where their trust is placed, where their faith is, and so on and so forth. It was originally meant to be something a lot more contemporary in style and sort of working within one person in a room, talking to what they don't know who is who. They could be talking to a guard of a room or someone on the outside. And it sort of morphed into this absurdist abstract like talking to each other but not really knowing if they are each other and playing around in that sort of unknown sense. But the myth of, yeah, him dealing with his silly decisions and, and and arrogance, I suppose, and cocky nature of like, oh, no, I, I can turn around and she'll be fine. It's absolutely okay. I'm not going to be made a fool of by Hades. Mm. And then having to deal with that was sort of the concept that really struck me and why I wrote the rest of it. So from what you're going off, I imagine it's kind of Sarah Kane's Crave meets Waiting for Godot. Is that kind of it? Is that the vibe? I think when anyone reads anything I've ever done, there's always people who go, oh, you've definitely read Pinter and Beckett, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely an element of that within it. Uh, I don't think I don't think I can deny that, but I'll definitely take a comparison to Kane as well. That That's, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's quite as brutal as those, but it's, it's yeah, I, I think there's definitely Godot and there's definitely Pinter. I'd like to think there's some Carol Churchill in there as well, but I think that might be a bit ambitious. But uh, No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> aim, aim high, aim high. Aim high, so, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of, so it sounds like you're kind of like really delving into the psychology of Orpheus and Eurydice and kind of like unpacking the mentality and the impact of that story. So it's kind of yes. like psychologically driven, it sounds like. It definitely is. And we've had a really great addition to the crew of Alice Robb, our director, who has sort of put such a spin on it and this is in comparison like working with uh, everyone in the team to be fair but it, originally it was just myself and Megan when we were doing it at uni and now we've had so much support from like dramaturgs and directors yourself included I may add as well at one point which was great and the advice we've been sort of working with and trying to really make strong within the piece is Eurydice having more to do having more to say and giving her really quite a in-depth study as well as Orpheus because originally it was very much focused on him as a protagonist and she was just sort of there to guide him whereas now it's definitely both of them have significant flaws and significant intentions throughout it and it definitely dives into sort of how both of them are interacting with this. The fact that she's been dead for longer than he has and how she's sort of a little bit miffed about it, but has moved past, but still forgives. And whether the love is still there as strongly as it was when they're both alive. But yeah, it's definitely leaning into the sort of psychological character exploration. I'm always interested in kind of like adaptation and why someone's adapting a certain kind of story. And I've done it as well. So I kind of like know the process and kind of like why, you, what, what, why you're taking a certain story. But do you think that's kind of the key because I think a lot of these myths like be it Greek biblical Roman all these kind of like myths that are kind of like in our kind of like sub subculture kind of like all these different Mm. narratives kind of like they're unpacked a lot the kind of the central characters taken and kind of like this is their story whether it's kind of like a prequel or biopic or kind of like unpacking these really epic characters and kind of like almost humanizing them so they're kind of they seem a bit more relevant or a bit more 
real or human is that was that the kind of like the process for you sure there was definitely something that was subconsciously driving that in terms of you're so right there's so many retellings of like classical myths or biblical stories and so on whether you you know even if you just repaint hamlet as the lion king there's always (laughs) there's always something moving the classic stories onwards um but these old stories are so ingrained we learn about them at school to such an extent but you talk about these myths like they are gods and and things that are happening that are just so unbelievable and there is an element of really enjoying for me when i write stuff like this is 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 diving into like you say the humanization of them and and really giving them i mean orpheus already has quite a lot of flaws anyway in a sense of what he does and his mistakes and mistakes he makes but yeah humanizing a character like that is just a lot of fun to work with because you've got a Mm. nice steady base to play off originally and then you can just sort of add whatever you want to it and no one's going to consider it you know horrifically out of line because so many people have touched these stories and played around with them and developed them changed them and subverted them and whatever so it's just a really nice fun playing ground to sort of tap into because i I guess this is one of the first full-length plays that i've put together originally it's a nice almost a safe place to sort of explore whilst testing out your own style. And I think there's almost a comfort in that, but it allows you to step out of that comfort when you want to and play around with it. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Like, I think that's so good for kind of like a new playwright, for example, who may find the idea of writing a play, a new play quite daunting. A lot of the kind of first plays that someone will write will either be kind of like inspired by an existing story or about themselves, which is kind of already an existing story because they've lived it. It's kind of like flexing your writing muscles, isn't it? And kind of like something exists and play with it. Yeah, it's a really good place to start. There's one thing I can never remember who gave me this advice, but it was years and years and years and years ago. I think we've actually discussed this before. If you really want to write something, you're struggling to do it and you don't want to like it not to be original or new or something, you just find two things that you really love and you smash them together and then that will be something new because the chances of two people have put those two things together already are more slim than if someone's just gone oh I want to redo this you know so I guess that sort of mindset for like new writers or people trying to get into it for the first time or even if you're just having a dry patch in your writing period and you don't really know what to write about you just want to have some fun with it and test the water I think that's a really good technique to sort of grow from yeah, <laughs> I yeah to put it really basically yeah. So this has been performed 23rd to the 26th of January in the Cockpit Theatre in North London. And that's a really interesting space, isn't it? It's quite an epic space. So kind of it's, like, what, really what, what's the vision? So I've seen kind of like a rehearsed reading of it at Omnibus a few months ago, um, yes. which is lovely and really interesting. But that's going to be a very different space to the Cockpit. Mm. So kind of like, so what's the impact of that? What what's the audience going to experience when they're when they're watching the ending? Well, first off, it's a much bigger space than anything I've done or anything the periphery team have done before. It's absolutely huge. I think it's 170 seats, 150 seats, something along those lines, which is enormous for us. So there's that to start with. It's going to be quite a, a daunting space, but also when you're playing around in the space like the cockpit, it has this sense of no matter how big it is or how full it is, it's still quite an intimate space. The space that we're going to be putting it in is a thrust stage. It could be in the round or so on in the cockpit, but for us, we're using it in thrust. And there's that classic sort of student drama of like, the audience can see each other so they can watch the... But it's we're hoping it'll be quite an immersive... Because the structure and style of the play is quite... Well, it's very abstract and the characters don't really interact, which is 
a very restrictive concept, but also quite challenging for a director to sort of draw something out. I bet Alice is doing an amazing job, and I think it's going to work stupendously well, hopefully. I mean, I've got a lot of faith. It will. Uh, it will work. It will. It absolutely <laughs> will. But, yeah, I mean, having such a big space and trying to play it intimately is going to be really interesting. And I think we're going to play a lot with sound design and lighting within the space to really draw on that. But like you said, it's very different to when we did our stage reading at the Omnibus. We've done shows before at the Lion Unicorn and the Golden Goose. And each of these are very different types of venues. So it's going to be interesting to see what an audience takes from it. But yeah, we're just going to try and throw as much sort of emotion and intimacy from it. Because it's a it's a really, like we said before, it's kind of character driven, but also mm. it's set within, it's got connotations with the underworld and kind of like mm. whatever world is between the real world and the underworld. But you're also setting it in this kind of like post world where they're both kind of this kind of liminal space between life and death and how they're kind of their worlds are kind of like rubbing up against each other but they can't quite enter into each other's world so it it feels really imaginative and really kind of again epic i use the word again kind of so i'm really excited to experience it because it does feel like a little bit like crave sarah kane's crave it feels very experiential yeah i feel like there's definitely there have been a number of moments in rehearsals where Alice has sort of paused and gone, Tom, like, what, what, what was, what you, and I'm like, hey, I, go with whatever you want to do. Like, what your vision is from it now, it's, it's your play now. Just take it and really throw as much at it. And I feel like a lot of playwrights have sort of done that where they just sort of given the director a challenge. I think that's always quite an interesting thing to do because it's, it's such a collaborative process at that point. Obviously, it's a bit of a slightly different one, this one, because obviously I'm, I'm acting in it as well. So Alice is sort of trying to be delicate about that, but I'm just going, hey, be free, do whatever you want with it, because mm. at the end of the day, you're the director and you know what you're doing with it. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be unlike anything we've done before and hopefully very new to a lot of people that are coming to watch it for the first time. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm excited. I'm very excited. So it's between the 23rd and 26th of January. And on four of those nights, you've got other readings as part of the event. So you kind of get two shows for yeah. one. So we're doing something different with us to try and... Uh, really tap into our company's ethos and how we like to run things. So we set up, Meg and I set up Periphery Theatre in 2021. Our main goal basically was to create a company that allows people to enter into an industry that's quite a challenging one. It's not, it's very friendly and everyone's really nice and everyone's really sort of welcoming and trying to help as much as they can. But trying to get a job or trying to get experience is a really tough world to get into and you sort of spend your whole time doing countless applications or whatever. But what we want to do is basically create a theatre company hub where people can feel welcomed and encouraged and supported and, and developed. So when we did Blue Bottles in 2021, at the end of 2021 at the Line Unicorn, over 50% of the creatives were first-timers, most of us included. Like, I'd never produced a show before. I'd never had a play I'd written, done properly, like, in a London stage before. And then Meg and I had produced, the director and the director. It was, it was a very new experience for us all. And then when we did Scratch That um, with Harcourt Pierce in in October 2022, we had 16, I think it was 16 new artists testing out new work and six songs and comedy plays, readings, all of these things over four nights, Golden Goose. And that was a massive success. People really enjoyed that. So what we're doing with this one, because obviously Meg and I are sort of, we've done it before, we've done these sort of things, but like, how can we still stick to our drive of giving opportunities to those that may need it? We have three nights of the four where before the show, 
we will have short stage readings of 25 minutes of various emerging artists. We haven't announced them yet, so we shall save those for our socials when they are thrown out there. But I can say we've got two exciting playwrights who are going to be throwing something onto a stage. And then we've got a stand-up comedian as well who's going to be testing out some material. So that's very exciting. But that way, for, for no cost of them, no sort of stress for them hopefully they're going to get a chance to put their work on the stage and get some audience feedback and it gives people like you say two two shows for the price of one it makes the evening more of an event and it'll be a really really exciting prospect for emerging artists to not only have their work shown but come along and watch and see that we'd like to cultivate this network and great great connection of emerging artists in the industry and then on the third night the thursday the 25th instead of a stage reading at the end of the show we'll be hosting a q a for anyone to come along to whether that be students or recent graduates or someone who's just decided to quit the day job and go i want to go to theater how do i get into an emerging theater and ask questions about the show about how we got the show on how we've done stuff in the past and basically, if you want to sort of engage with the theatre world in the sort of the fringe theatre world in London, how how we can sort of offer any advice. We must say we are also very new, so we may not be experts, we haven't got all the answers, but giving a place like this is, we feel really important to sort of cultivate the confidence of, of the next generation, because that's really important to keep and currently in 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 the time we live in it's very easy to sort of fall out of love with theater and 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 find it easier just to find a regular job and sit in an office and, and your creativity is whittled away but if if you want to sort of try and find friendly faces to talk to and, and find opportunities wherever you can that's the place that we hopefully will eventually be able to cultivate and create a huge network of fantastic people who will all support each other as they find new work and as they as they work their way up the industry that's so nice because i think it is it's very exhausting especially if you're a writer i mean the industry is exhausting as as a whole as is loads of other industries but i think one of the exhausting things with being a playwright for example is that it's quite isolating in that kind of an actor when you're working you're in a room with others or you're with a director for example but with a playwright you're very often at the desk on your own and so it's it really takes a lot of stamina and a lot of momentum to try and get up and work because there's yeah. there's often not anyone to bounce off, not anyone else to bounce off. So I think it's Absolutely. so important for write, for writers, but also directors and actors and stage managers and designers and everyone to just meet each other and just kind of like yeah. just seeing someone else and understanding that, oh, it's not just me that finds this really hard that just alleviates the struggle I think which is so nice it, so it's that space is so important it makes things so much easier and I, this is sort of you know I'm not I'm not sucking up or anything but the omnibus stuff that you've done before in the past where specifically the play reading uh nights that you used to host were fantastic in the sense of you meet people who are all interested in the same thing and it's not necessarily a pressure to talk about your work that you're doing or anything you've got coming up and it's just a chance to chat about theatre but from that I've met fantastic people who have helped me in multiple ways about inviting me to this or reading this for me or you know all these things that are so helpful and come from just meeting and chatting and being in a secure safe encouraging environment and that's sort of what we want to be creating with this readings at the start and q a afterwards it's just a, another opportunity to widen the net to say hey guys come speak to us we're friendly and, and whilst we may also not be you know on the west end or, or having four week runs of shows and things we're slightly we're a year ahead we can offer a little bit of advice that we've got and then sort of work off each other when you go up from there. Exciting. This is so cool. This is brilliant. So your play is the ending 
26th of January at the Cockpit Theatre. And you can see kind of like whatever reading that you would want to see. You can choose the night or the Q&A. So you know exactly what will be happening on each night. So you can choose what night to go to, yeah. We will be we will be announcing who will be taking part in those soon, probably uh, early January. But for now, maybe if you want a surprise, just book a ticket and see, oh, I've got this person tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or if you definitely want to come to the Q&A, that will be on the Thursday. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. I'll definitely come and see it. Before you go, we... Have- have the last question of every single episode is the same and it's inspired by the title and it's basically what is your stagey play so it's literally where you feel most stagey however you define stagey whether it's kind of like i feel most stagey when i'm on stage when i'm in the theater when i'm sitting down watching a show or it could be when you're kind of most inspired to write whether that's at your desk or it's at a pret's or like any kind of like grungy cafe in Zoho or something like that. I think that's my stage play. Yeah, my kind of my dark corner of a of a sort of cafe horrible thing is my stage place because I just can hide and write and whatever. So where where do you, Tom Sparrow, feel most stagey? See, I've listened to this podcast a lot and I had a rehearsal for the ending last night and I said, where where should I say? And they were like, just just I don't know, just say something. <laughs> I was like, no, I've got to really think this through. And we ended up sort of discussing our time together at Reading Uni, where we all studied film and theatre there, which is how we all got to know each other. We were talking about, could it be one of the theatre spaces? Could it just be the Minghella Studios in general? And then it sort of struck me that I feel a lot of my creative theatre work has come from the green room in Minghella. It's almost like where everyone goes to have lunch, you know, it's, it's tables and chairs and it's quite open. There's not, there's only three walls or something and there's the, the workshops like just through one door next to it. It's very centre of the building, but I feel like I have laughed and cried and sort of really worked hard and also really not worked hard there. And every time I think of making theatre recently, my brain's come back to, oh, I wish I could have that room just permanently around so then I could just sort of if I want to procrastinate I can but then something great will come from that hopefully later on down the line and uh, that I think I'd say the green room in Mingella Studios that's definitely yeah, a stage place I know exactly what you're talking about because it's uni it's a place where you can never go back to as well isn't it we it's rehearsed kind of- there a while ago for our, yeah. for, for our show Blue Bottles back in 2021 and we rehearsed there and we obviously because we graduated in Covid times so we left the building when everything shut and then we didn't go back. And we had this weird sort of like, we never got any closure with the building. When we went back to rehearse, that was such a strange feeling. I, yeah, I'd love to be able to spend every day there. Yeah. Special place, special place. Yeah, lots of memories, traumatic memories, lovely memories. I know the plan. I've had one of them. I can, I can, I can pinpoint my place like that as well. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Tom. It's been lovely talking to you. Very interesting hearing about your show, the ending, and I'll see you one night. I look forward to coming and see it. It'd be great to see you there. So there we go. That was my episode with Tom Sparrow, writer of The Ending, which is at the Cockpit Theatre between the 23rd and 26th of January 2024. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it interesting and I hope that you're buying your tickets already for The Ending. If you are, then I'll see you there. But until then, have a lovely rest of the day or rest of the week and I'll see you very soon.